Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Hey, well, welcome to Life West. If I had a chance to meet you, uh, my name is Samuel. I mean it with all my heart that it is just like the absolute joy and privilege of my life to get to serve you guys here at Life West. Back and I, it is so, so much fun. And, and it's just when you get to see the fruit of it and people making their, their declarations and standing up and following Christ in a way that you don't do this. You don't do this in other circumstances. You're like, I, I don't really see people. I mean, unless you're in the pool fighting um, and you had a horrible big brother like mine and he'd hold you down that way. But other than that, um, no, it really is to see people taking a next step in their faith. Man, so much fun. Now, we're going to get into the message, but before we do... Um, there's some kingdom business that I want to I bring up. And, and I say that because as believers, as, when we say that we follow Christ, we don't just say, I don't want to go to hell. We do, but there's more. We don't just say, well, I want to go to heaven. We do, but there's more. We don't just get our sins forgiven. We do, but there's more. We join a kingdom. Jesus, when he was on the earth over and over and over, he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We die to ourselves. That's literally what we saw here in baptism represents a death to ourselves, our old way of living and living led by the Spirit in a life that will honor and follow God. So when I say kingdom business as a part of God's kingdom, see, it doesn't just affect our salvation. It is meant to affect every day of our lives. Every day, every decision that we make, I want, I want God's blessing. I want to know what God has to say about my finances. I want to know what God has to say about my relationships, about my marriage, about my kids, about everything and all of it. Absolutely. But one of those things, and the reason why I say this is kingdom business is here in Michigan, we have something coming up in November. It's an election. But very specifically, what I want to address is a kingdom issue about that election. And you might feel this way or that way about who's running for what and whatnot, but there's one issue in particular that is so close and is on God's heart and is clearly addressed in Scripture, so I want to address it with you because it is a kingdom issue, and that is abortion. When, when the Supreme Court just a short time ago, overturned Roe versus Wade, they settled nothing. What they did is they threw it back to the states, which your opinion, I mean, mine, great, they threw it back, but that's what they did. They threw it back to the states and they said, the states need to decide this. This is not something that we should have done on the federal level. So they really didn't solve anything. But what we are seeing right now is there, there's a proposal on the November ballot to make here in Michigan abortion, to make abortion a Michigan constitutional right, that, any, that Michiganders have a constitutional right to abortion. And I bring that up because this is what Proverbs 31 says. Proverbs 31.8 says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, ensure justice for those being crushed. And when it comes to abortion, we know, and you can look in Scripture, and you can know what God's heart is towards abortion. 
and toward, towards the unborn. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. God says, I knew you from the very beginning, before time. He's like, he, he knew you were coming. But then he says this. Before you were actually born, he says, I set you apart. Before you were born, he says, I appointed you before you were even born. What we see as we look in Scripture, as we see Mary, Jesus' mother, when Mary was pregnant, she went to go visit a relative, and the Bible says that when she walked in her house and when her greeting reached the ears of her relative, that, that John the Baptist, who was in her womb, jumped at the sound of Mary's greeting and was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. What we see in Scripture is that life begins in the womb and that it is a life. And so when Proverbs says, speak up for those who cannot speak, they cannot speak. And so we must. We must. So Proposal 3 does a lot of things. And there's a lot of like crazy people say, well, I could do this and what about this? That's all peripheral to the fact that it would make, and I say this not to condemn anybody because there's forgiveness for anything and I don't know what your history is, but to state clearly what the Bible says, which is this, that abortion is murder. If you read in Exodus, God's laying out the laws for the people of Israel. The people of Israel were supposed to be a guiding light, a beacon, that all the nations would look at the nation of Israel and say, wow, they're blessed, God's hand is on them, they've got so much peace, they've got so much strength, there's so much joy in this nation, what you're doing, we should adopt. We should adopt your policy. This was God's plan for the nation of Israel, and he laid this out in Exodus. He's telling them laws, and like, this is how this should be. And then if you look at Exodus 21... Verse 22, God specifically lays out a law and says this, if a man strikes a pregnant woman and the baby dies as a result, he is guilty of murder. There's already, thou shalt not murder, there's already laws about murder, but God specifically calls out the situation of an unborn and addresses it specifically. So there might be some things that you agree with that are in that proposal, but the overwhelming and the result, end result of that proposal is it would make legal and make a Michigan constitutional right for a mother to murder their unborn baby. And I say that in that language because that's what God's word says it is, not to condemn, again, anybody for anything but if that's what God's word says it is, then we need to stand for what God says we need to stand for, and we vote no on that proposal. We vote for life, and we stand for life, and we stand up for life. Well, what about the part that I like? They're killing babies. The part that I like doesn't matter. You can solve things in another way. It does not belong Abortion, we need to stand against as believers because God's word says this is where life begins. And if it's important to God, it should be important to us. If God says that life begins in the womb, then that affects, well, everything. 
Yes, then absolutely. God values it in the womb, then so will we. If you would like some more information on that and like, okay, what proposal and what you said and you want to dig in deeper to it, please do. There's some pamphlets in the back. Please take a look at that so that you can. But if you are a Christ follower, literally the language that the Bible uses says, no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. I am Christ's ambassador. And as Christ's ambassador, I don't vote my opinion, I vote his because I represent him to the world. He's showing himself to the world through me and through you. So we get to vote for him. And this is what we see in God's word. So let me just encourage you this. Know, know, Know what you're voting for and join me in standing and protecting life for speaking up for those who cannot speak up for themselves. All right. Okay, got a quick question for you. Who's ever been on a team? Raise your hand. Have you ever been on a team? Team, team. Ever been on any sort of team? All right. Okay, quite a few of you. Who have ever had, many of you have been on a team. If you raised your hand, who's ever had a bad teammate? Raise your hand. You're like, they just dragging us down. Who was the bad teammate? You'll be like, it was me. It was me. <laughs> Come on, I was. I did homeschool basketball for a little bit, and I was, it, was, it was bad. I, I was the bad teammate, just, just so you know. All right, now who's ever had just an amazing teammate? Somebody to help just make the team and help, help that team to do things it wouldn't do. They weren't just all about themselves, but they brought everybody up with them. Man, makes a difference, doesn't it? Man, it can make a difference. I'm not, I'm not a big team, team person just all together, uh, uh, team sports. I don't like getting stuck with people. You're like, I, I, I don't want to be stuck with them. And then I feel bad when like in basketball they got stuck with me. I was like, I don't belong here. I'm, I'm sorry I'm on your team. Like, here we go. Um, um, I, I, I don't make many shots, but I'll just stand out there. Okay, that, that was me. But remember years ago, we were preparing for a race. And, and in this race, we had to do uh, teams of four. And one of our teammates dropped out a couple months before the race. Well, the, the race was a 150-mile race that we had to complete in 36 hours. Uh, we had to be ready to run 50 miles, canoe 50 miles, and uh, bike 50 miles. So it wasn't just like a, anybody could just do it. So we began looking for a new teammate and talking to this one guy, and he's like, oh, oh, that, that's right up my alley. I'm like, really? He's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, do you think you can get, you know, we're a couple months away. I'm like, do you think you could be ready in time? And he's like, I, I already train. I mean, I, I train like that now. I'm like, up oh, by training a little bit, but I don't even need, he's like, I'm ready for that all the time. And I'm like, awesome. Um, so, so, so I tell one of my other teammates, Molly, about it. I'm like, hey, Molly, this guy says he'd be great for it. And she's like, all right, well, what are we going to do? I'm like, well, why don't we go for a run? Like, he can, we can just go for a team run. And uh, the other teammate was out of state, so, so we got together, the, the three of us, this guy, Molly, and I, and, and we go for a run. And we're like, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just go for a bit, and we're just going to do 10 miles. So we run, and we, we go out, and, and we're on our way back. And as we're on our way back, like, shortly after that halfway point, we get to a mailbox, and he's like, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, i gotta, I got to tie my shoe. So he stops, and he ties his shoe, and we keep going a little bit farther. And then he's like, hold on, hold on, I got a cramp. Hold on, hold on. And then he's like, he's stretching out his calf, and he's like, I don't usually get these. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And we're like, okay. And we go a little bit farther and a little bit farther. And, and he's just like, now it's like almost every mailbox he gets to. He's like, oh, hold on, mailbox, mailbox, mailbox. And, and I'm just like, are you kidding? I'm like, well, I, 
I can't waste a run. I'm like, I got I to gotta keep running. You can't just stop because this guy, I'm like, I'm not going to waste a run. I'm like, maybe if you can at least beat Molly back, we'll see. So we, we finish the run, and I get to the end, and Molly gets to the end, and this guy, like, eventually gets there. And, and Molly looks over at me, and she just goes, <laughs> like, he, he cannot do this. He cannot do this. And so he, we said, said that's, that's, that's not going to work. And, and so we, we continued looking, and eventually... We found this other guy, and he was a runner, ran in college, ran like crazy. That was going to be his strongest thing in this whole thing. And so we'd go running with this guy, and, and he would just, he'd wear me into the ground, and I'd be the guy grabbing the, the mailboxes, being like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He was so fast, Kevin, Kevin Blackwire. Some of you may have known this guy. He was incredibly fast. He'd get going down hills, and he was so much shorter than me. And I don't know how he would do it, but it's like he had wheels going down hills. And he'd just go to the bottom. And I'm like, I'm taking my big steps, trying to catch up with him. He's like, well, that's your problem. You got to take smaller steps. And he's, he's helping me. But he brought the whole thing up. Many of you, you're like, yep, I've been on a team. I know about it is to be a good team or have a great team. But I want to tell you today about the greatest person that you could ever have on your team. The greatest teammate that you could ever, ever have. And that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the greatest team member you can ever... Now, here's why I say that. Now, first off, don't, don't, don't shut me off just because I said the Holy Spirit. Some people, they hear that word, and for whatever reason, maybe it was the way that they were raised, something that they heard, or maybe they had that like crazy aunt that did crazy things and blamed it on the Holy Spirit. I don't know. But, but they just hear the Holy Spirit, and they're just like... And they're just like, they're just like they just want to check out. They're like, I am done. There's others that are like, oh, no, please, please, I invited people. Don't talk about this today. Please don't talk about this today. <laughs> but let me just say, let me just, just listen to what Jesus had to say. Think about it this way. Jesus goes to his disciples. This is after he was raised from the dead. He goes to his disciples, and he tells them this. His disciples, which, mind you, had followed him around and had seen him do miracle after miracle after miracle, heard him teach, and when he taught, they were, able to, they were in that inner circle where they asked the questions like, what does this mean and how does this happen? And they watched him rebuke the wind and the waves, and it stopped. Demon spirits obeyed him. He multiplied food and fed thousands. They see all of this, and he's saying over and over, this testifies that I am who I say that I am. And then this is what Jesus tells his disciples. Acts 1, verse 4. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my, my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. He's like, everything that you've seen, that's great, but there's something you're missing. Don't leave Jerusalem until you have this. He says, the gift. What is this gift? Verse 5. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He tells his disciples who witnessed all of that, don't do anything. You wait in Jerusalem until you get the Holy Spirit. You need this. This is the teammate that you cannot be doing this without. Jesus also told, in John, we see something that Jesus told that same group, and he says this. He was telling them that he was going to be leaving. And he tells them, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. The advocate, some of your translations will actually say the Holy Spirit. He's talking again about the Holy Spirit. 
And just think about the weight that that, just that one thing, just that one sentence. He says, it's better that I go because if I go, the Holy Spirit will come. I've dreamed about what it would be like if Jesus was alive today. How great it would be, the miracles that he would do. And he said this, it's better that I go. Because when I go, if I don't go, he won't come. But if I do go, then we will send the Holy Spirit. That's, how an, that's what an amazing teammate the Holy Spirit is. And again, I said it once, I'll say it again. Weird people do weird things, okay? And they don't need the Holy Spirit to do it. But they seem to blame it on that sometimes. Okay? If you've ever known somebody that's weird, remember that weird person back in high school, whatever it was, on the team, weird neighbor, I don't know what it was. But there's weird people. They're just, they're just weird. I'm a little weird. I'm a little different. 100. Becca's like, ha, ah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> but so often people are turned off to something because we don't understand it. They don't understand it. But let me just, 1 Corinthians 14.32 says this. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, here's what it says. It says, remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. I've been in some situations where people have done some really, really weird things, and they blame the Holy Spirit, and they say this, the Holy Spirit made me do it. This verse says that this prophet, the person that's, that's speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit, is in control of it. That the Holy Spirit doesn't make them. This is the NLT version. It says, remember that those people who prophesy are in control of the Spirit and can take turns. He was addressing some issues in the church because the, the Holy Spirit had been poured out and people were like, well, I got a word from the Holy Spirit. I believe that someone said, and he's like, oh, you can take turns. You don't have to just jump out. You don't have to say things. And he goes on to say that every word be established out of two or three witnesses. There's a, there's a right and a wrong way to do this. But he, he established very clearly that the Holy Spirit doesn't force you to do something. The Holy Spirit, let me just say that, is not a force to be afraid of. The Holy Spirit is not a principle to learn about. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. John 14, 16 says this, and this is Jesus talking. So in many of your Bibles, this is going to be in red. John 14, 16, it says, and I, this is Jesus talking, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. The advocate, the comforter, your translations might say a little bit different, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you, there's a difference between with, and he says, and will be in you. Now, what we just read right there is incredibly important, and it's honestly it's the basis of what we call the Trinity. Because Jesus said, I will pray the Father, that's one, and he, the Father, that's two, will send the Holy Spirit, that's three. That's literally, if you've heard it before, that's the Trinity, that we serve a God who is three in one. He's God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. And when we, when we hear Father, God the Father, we have a category for that. We can look and we're like, well, I have a father, or, or you know, I've met a father, or I, I am a father, I know what a father is. Okay, so God the Father, I got that. And then we see God the Son. And we're like, okay, well, I am a son, I have a son, I've seen a son, I know what sons are, yep, somebody else, I've, I've, one time, one place, I ran into one, I know what a son is, right? 
And so we have a category to put that in. But when then, we, then we get to this one, the Holy Spirit. When we hear spirit, most of us automatically put it into a category of like a, an unknown or an unknowable. And we're just kind of like, I mean, what, what's the spirit? Like, is, is it a haunted house? Is it something that they hang, people hang from a tree? Is it something that runs around? Like, like spirit? Like, and so we can think of the Holy Spirit not as a person to know, but just a principle or a force. But the Bible says that when he comes, the Holy Spirit is a person to know. Someone who wants to be on your team and help you. It wants to help you, not a force to be afraid of. 1 Corinthians 13, 6, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Somebody who wants to be and dwelling in with you and me. And now maybe you say, well, okay, well, how does that all work and what happens? And like, um, I, I, don't really, I haven't really heard a whole lot about the Holy Spirit or I heard about it and maybe you were like, well, I just kind of, I kind of stayed away from it. Or maybe you thought it was weird. Or maybe you're like, this is the first time I've ever heard anything about it. I don't know anything about it. That's, that's okay. In Acts, we see this. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, it says, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus and on the coast where he found some believers, some Christ followers. He found some Christians. Okay? Paul says, these are, these are some Christians. I found some believers. And he says this, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied. So let me just say this. You can be on your way to heaven, forgiven, and not have the Holy Spirit. Because he just said, we found some believers, and they said, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they were like, no. No, we did not. So it is not a salvation issue. Your sins can be forgiven. But then he goes on. And then he says this, that, well, they answered no. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so Paul's response is, then with what, baptize, what baptism did you experience? Because what did we just see? They were all baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Because Jesus told his disciples, he said, go, make disciples of all nations, make followers of all nations, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit. He's like, but if you've been baptized, he's like, you should have at least heard the name. You should have at least heard it. And their response was, well, we were baptized under the baptism of John of, of repentance. And he's like, well, then you need the Holy Spirit. He's like, you need it. So yes, you can be a, you can be a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit. So then Paul says this, as soon as they heard this, this is verse 5, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and they prophesied. And there's about 12 of them in the group. And, and what is that? And, I, and that's another thing I know that can kind of like confuse some people is when they hear, well, what do, what do you mean they spoke in other tongues? Well, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our helper. And that one of the ways he helps us, we'll get to this in a minute, is that when we don't know how to pray, he helps us and we pray with words that cannot be uttered that we don't even know what we're saying. Now, when I grew up, um, my mom and dad, I never heard them fight. Ever. And 
It's a little bit, and I was homeschooled, so I spent a lot of time at home. Like, I was always around. And a lot of times that they didn't know where I was. Like, literally, I was hiding because then I'd have to do more school if they found me. So I was, like, hiding. So anyways, <laughs> like, I was around. But they knew Spanish. So what would happen is this. We'd be just be in the kitchen, we'd be eating, and mom and dad would be talking, and then all of a sudden it would go from, hey, I think we should, and what about, you know what's coming up tomorrow? And all of a sudden it would be like, hey, you don't know, have to take them, take them, take them, take them, take them, take them, and they would just go into another language. So they could have been fighting every day. I have no idea. Because I didn't understand it. And it was just like this, this other thing where I'd be in the room, but it, it just did nothing for me. And I was like, like, in high school, when I started taking Spanish, my desire to learn Spanish wasn't to learn Spanish. It was to know what my parents were saying. <laughs> it's like, I want to know. And who are they talking about? And like, what's going on? That's what I wanted to know. And it's this other language that they would switch into. And all of a sudden, I was out of the conversation. The Holy Spirit gives you and I the gift that when we don't know what to speak, he can jump in for us if we let him. And the people around us, our mind and the devil have no idea what we are saying or what we are praying. And we talk directly to God in another language. I don't know Spanish, but I would love to. There's so many conversations I'd love to have with my kids in the room that they couldn't understand. Like, that would just be great. Instead, it's like, hold on, like, go back outside, or let's come over here. We got to, we paused. It was yesterday. We paused the conversation so many times because kids were coming in and out and in and out and in and out. And I'm like, we have to repeat half of the conversation to catch back up where we were because here they come. God gives us another language. It's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does. Another thing that it does is found in Galatians 5, 16. And it says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. It wants to guide, the Holy Spirit wants to guide our lives. Galatians 5, 22, but the Holy Spirit Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. You want to know what the result of having and listening to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, what's it going to be? Am I going to be that weird guy? What's it going to be? This is what it says. It produces this kind of fruit, Galatians 5.22. It produces love, joy. Oh, I'll take some joy. I love joy. Come on. I'll take some love, peace. I'll take some peace, patience. I really need some patience. I'm Xavier knows. Okay, so some patience, some kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He's like, you want to know what the fruit, what the result of listening and having the Holy Spirit on your team and guiding you? You want to know what it is? There it is. He says, this, this is what it is. John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He's, he, he wants to guide you. He wants to help us. Romans 8, 26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, when we do not know what God wants us to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed with words. You and I, we need the Holy Spirit. I don't know how else to say it. God told his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until you get this. He told his followers, it's better that I go because if I go, this Holy Spirit will come. And you might be saying, well, I'm getting through life okay without it. You know what I can do? I could hop around on one leg. I can do it. I'm like that coordinated. I know you didn't think I was. But you know what? I can get a whole lot farther and faster on two. 
You might be getting through life on one, but the Holy Spirit is God's gift, the greatest teammate you could ever have, God's gift to you, to give you comfort and peace, joy to lead, to guide. He's the advocate. He says, he will only tell you exactly what my Father is saying. He's the one that you can always trust. Have you ever looked at the Christian life and thought, I can't do that? Me too. God's like, and you never will be able to on your own. He's like, so watch, I'm going to give you some help. I want to send the Holy Spirit. And listen to this, having the Holy Spirit doesn't make you better than anybody else. It doesn't make me better than anyone. It makes me better than me. I need the Holy Spirit. I need his help. I need him to guide me in every area of my life. And if God's word says I have it and I need it, I want it. I want what God has for me. I don't want to leave anything anywhere. Years ago, I was was in the garage working, and I just felt like I needed to pray. And that really doesn't happen to me all the time. Um... It just doesn't. So I'm in there and I, I stopped what I was doing, working on some stuff, and I just prayed for a little bit. And then hit me again, like I needed to pray again. And I was like, I already did, but okay. So I, I pray some more and I'm like, okay, I'll pray. And this happens like three times. So I pray for everybody and everything that I know to pray for in every way that I know to pray for. I'm like praying for family members. I'm like, I'm praying for people that I, like missionaries that we support, people that I ran into the day before at the grocery store. I'm praying for everybody. And I'm like, okay. I go back to work and I get again, like, You're, you need to pray more. And I'm like, I'm, I don't know what else to pray for. I'm like, well, wait. The Holy Spirit, God says when we don't know what to pray, that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. But if we let him. So I just began to pray in tongues. I did for a short time. I don't even know how long. And at the end of that, I just got this, okay, it's taken care of. I'm like, Okay. And it was uh, a short while later, I get a call from Becca, and she says, I'm at urgent care with Avery. We were, we were at uh, Grandma's house, and she drank some, like, rust stain remover and called poison control, and poison control said, take her right to uh, the hospital. They went to urgent care. Urgent care says, this is huge. They looked at the bottle, looked at the acids and the things that were in it, and they're like, this could kill her. Um, she's got to go to the hospital. And super long story short, Becca told me what it was. And instantly inside, I got the check of that's what you prayed about and it's already taken care of. So we had doctors saying all kinds of things. She's going to this and you got to do this and this is what needs to happen. And, and they are the king of worst case scenario. You, you stub your thumb and they're like, we got to amputate. You're probably going to die tomorrow. Call your family. I mean, that's just what they do. Like, it's insane what they say. But they said all that they did. But we just, we had that peace on the inside that it was already taken care of. And it was. Absolutely nothing ended up, it ended up we, we ended up bringing her home and got a call from, Poison Control called us the next morning. Just, 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 anyways, they called us and they're like, how did it go? What ended up happening? And we're like, she's great. They're like, well, what, where is she now? I'm like, she's sleeping. They're like, what? I said, wake her up. I said, what does her tongue look like? 
And I said, it looks like a tongue. And they're like, there's no this or that or boils or marks. I said, none. And they go, oh, she didn't drink any. Thank you very much. And they hung up. She spit it. My, my mom watched her spit it out the day before. But God moves. God loves you so much. He said, I know they can't do this alone. They need help. I want to give them the best teammate in the world, and that is his Holy Spirit. And so who is the Holy Spirit for? It's those who ask. That's what the Bible says. It's those who ask. It says, ask and you will receive. Let me just say this. You can be saved. And maybe you asked when you gave your heart to God, maybe somebody was talking to you like, you want the whole thing, do you need the Holy And you were like, yes, I want the Holy Spirit. Then you have the Holy Spirit. Maybe you got baptized years ago and you came out of that tub and somebody said, now it's time for you to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And you're like, yep, I want it, I'm in, let's go. Maybe you asked last night, you were in your quiet time and you came across some verses and you were looking and it says that the Holy Spirit is given to those who ask. And so you were like, I want it. But if you haven't asked, then today's your day. Then ask today. Don't leave. Don't go solo. What God has for you, he says, you just ask. So in just a few minutes, we're going to have some people up front. And like we just read, it says that Paul, when they heard, that they said, yeah, we want the Holy Spirit. And Paul laid his hands on them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to do that right down here up front, right after service. So if you're like, I want that. Let me just say this. Is there something special about the person that's going to pray for you? No. Is there something like uh, about their hands that's like absolutely amazing and it's going to? No. No. We do it because God's word says to do it. God says lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So that's why we lay hands on them because God's word says. And it's just something silly in the natural. But when we're obedient in the natural, God brings his super in and that's where we get the supernatural. So if that's you, then come down. Come down and get filled with the Holy Spirit. Leave with that teammate, not just with you, but as the Bible says, in you. Jesus says, he's with you, but he's going to be in you. Maybe you're here and you're like, you know what, that Holy Spirit thing? I am a born-again, spirit-filled, word-believing, faith-talking, armor-wearing, child of the King. That's great. Are you listening? When he's prompting, are you following if that's you, let me just challenge you in this, to follow him more, to take time to listen to his promptings. If you're ready to get filled and be up here right after service, if you're like, man, I've got some more questions and I don't really know, I want you to be grounded and I want you to know. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The Bible says that when the seed is sown, that the Satan tries to come and to snatch it away. And I want you to know, not because, well, pastor so-and-so said so, because, but because the Bible says so. And that you stand on God's word. And you're like, no, this is what it says. This is where it says. And I'm not moving because this is what it says. So if you're like, hey, I need, I need some more information. Where else and what else can I get about this? I've got a book that we'd like to give you. It's called The God I Never Knew, written by a man named Robert Morris. And we bought a bunch of copies. And they're out at the table. And they're free. You already paid for them, so grab one. You know somebody else who needs it? Grab one and give it to them. It's an awesome book. It's going to help you just maybe open your eyes to some things that you don't know, help you to be more firm in your foundation and knowing this is what God's Word says. And so this is, if God's Word says I can have it, I want it. If Jesus says it's better that I go, that I could get it, then I want that too. And go after 
all that God, because here's what I know, God has a purpose and plan for your life, but you will never fulfill it on your own. You need people, and you need the Holy Spirit. You need people around you, and the Holy Spirit in you to help you to be and do all that God has for you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. So as soon as we dismiss here, if you're like, hey, I want that, I'm ready to get filled with the Spirit, come on up. But one more thing we need to do is would you bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here and you don't know where you stand with God, you say, I'd like to know, but I don't. God's Word says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we will be saved. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God. It's just a prayer away, a heartfelt prayer away. If that's you, I'd love the honor of praying with you right in your seat. Or maybe you're here and you say, you know, there's a time I was living for God, but today I just need to declare I'm all His again. I need to come back. I've been wandering away, and today I'm going to take a stand, and I'm going to go all in for Him. I'm not going to tiptoe. I'm not going to halfway anything. I'm going to go all in. Today is the day I'm doing that. If you're either of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you. And if that's you, I want you to be super bold. You're going to shoot your hand up when I say three. Get ready. One, two, three. Right now, shoot it up and say, that's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands down. Here's what I want to do. Everybody, whether you're in this room, online, wherever you are, if you're watching or just listening to this, I want you to repeat after me. Let's all do it together. But those of you that lifted your hands, as you say these words, make them your own. Say them from your heart. All together, let's pray right now. Say, Jesus, forgive me and make me new. From now on, I'm going to live for you. I believe that you died. You shed your blood for me. But you rose again, victorious over death, sin, and the devil. And from now on, I'm yours. Satan, you lost me. In Jesus' name, I'm yours, God, forevermore. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.